So we're continuing our series in the Ten Commandments, and today we'll look at the Sixth Commandment. So would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? It's a very short one today. This is God's Holy Word. Please give ear to it. Exodus 20, and verse 13. You shall not murder. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your word. We thank you for your holy law. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us today and open up the word and apply it to our hearts. Lord, show us what we need to repent of and show us Jesus Christ clearly today. We pray in his name. Amen. Have a seat. So when I say the word murderer, what comes to mind? Maybe you think of famous murderers from history or you've seen in the movies like Jack the Ripper or the Zodiac Killer or Jeffrey Dahmer. And surely they, they are terrible murderers. But when I think of the word murder, uh, personally something, another person comes to my mind. And that is a man named Steve. Now I met Steve when I was about 18 years old or so. I just graduated from high school. And Steve was about the same age as me. I met Steve at church. Steve was our pastor's nephew. And Steve was coming to church and Steve was professed to be a Christian. So I got to know Steve and we became friends. We spent time hanging out together, doing things together that teenagers do. And then I went off to college and I never saw Steve again. Well, fast forward about, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, and all of a sudden I, I see Steve in the news, and it's not good news. So Steve had murdered his wife and dismembered her body, and he had been caught, and he admitted to his crime, confessed the crime, and now he is spending the rest of his life in prison in the Minnesota State Prison. So obviously I was shocked. I was shocked because Steve seemed so similar to me. We had a lot in common. We're both from middle class American Christian families. And so I thought to myself, what went wrong with Steve? And I thought, but I thought to myself also, but for the grace of God, go I. And that is because when you really look inside your heart, when you really understand the depth of your sin, your depravity, I realized that the thing that is different between Steve and myself is the grace of God is the Holy Spirit restraining me from evil. And I realized that if I was given the same opportunity, apart from God, my own sinful nature, that I would 
I, I could do the same thing, the same thing as Steve. First John 3.15, it says, If you hate your brother, you are a murderer. And I hope we don't just let that go over our heads like it's merely exaggeration or hyperbole. Think about that. Meditate upon that. Because I'm sure that each of us here have hated our brother or sister at one time or another. According to God's word, you are guilty of murder. And as we look at the Bible, I think it's really incredible. Think about, we, we know that the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit, according to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but that the Lord used human authors. Think about some of these human authors that the Lord used. Let's think about Moses, who wrote so much of the Old Testament, the books of the law, right? Well, we know that Moses, why did he have to leave Egypt? He killed a man in anger, killed an Egyptian, and so he was forced to flee. Moses was a murderer. Think about King David, King David, who wrote so many of the Psalms beautifully. And the Lord says that he is a man after his own heart. Think about David, that he committed murder. He murdered a man named Uriah in order to cover up his own sexual sin. So, so often we see these commandments, they go together. Um, next week we'll talk about the seventh commandment, but there's often a connection between sixth and the seventh. Uh, I think of the Apostle Paul, who wrote so many letters in the New Testament, and we know that Paul was part of the group who murdered the first martyr, Stephen, and he was rounding up Christians, even when he was converted on the road to Damascus, rounding them up for a similar fate, perhaps to Stephen. So God chose people who were guilty of murder to bring to us his word. It's amazing. And I think there's a reason he did that. He wants us to understand that we are all capable and we're all guilty of breaking the sixth commandment. And it's a serious thing. But at the same time, as we understand this truth, we see how glorious our forgiveness, our salvation is in Christ. So this is the main thing we want to see today. The sixth commandment is more than we realize. We'll look at this under three points, three C's. First of all, the sixth commandment is more comprehensive than we realized. Secondly, caring. The sixth commandment is more caring than we realize. And thirdly, Christ-centered. The sixth commandment is more Christ-centered than we realize. So first of all, the sixth commandment is more comprehensive. So I want us to think back in the Bible, back in Genesis chapter 9. After the flood, the Lord made a covenant, very important, he made a covenant with Noah. In Genesis chapter 9, part of that covenant, he talks about human life and murder. Genesis 9 verse 6, you might might know it. It says, whoever sheds the blood of man, 
by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. It's that last part that's the really important principle for understanding why murder is so wicked and why human life is so precious and to be protected. So there are many creatures that the Lord made, but only mankind, only we are said to be the image of God, made in his image. And therefore, we are especially uh, to be protected. Human life is to be cherished. Now, if you look at your bulletin, we have some questions from the Heidelberg Catechism that help us apply this. So let's look at question 105, first of all. It says, what does God require in the Sixth Commandment? Answer, I am not to dishonor, hate, injure, or kill my neighbor by thoughts, words, or gestures, and much less by deeds, whether personally or through another. Rather, I am to put away all desire of revenge. Moreover, I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself. Therefore, also the government bears the sword to prevent murder. Now, I think when it, when it comes to all these commandments, but when it comes to the Sixth Commandment specifically, we often think, well, yeah, of course, I'm against murder. Everybody out there generally would agree with that statement, right, that thou shalt not murder, right? But I think so oftentimes people are inconsistent. Now, I think of the Amish. had some Amish neighbors as a kid, and they say, we're against modern technology, but then they have no problem taking a ride in your car. They have no problem borrowing your cell phone to make a call or using a washing machine. And I think that's often the case as well um, with us and with people generally when it comes to the Sixth Commandment and the duties within it. We very strongly believe and say that we're against violence and, and murder and harming others, but the way we live often is out of accord with it. And we have a blind spot sometimes to many of the applications of this commandment. So let's first think about who is to be cherished and not harmed, not killed? Who is to be protected? Whose life? Who is our neighbor is another way to ask the question. And the Lord Jesus talked about this, as you know. So who is our neighbor? It's often a temptation to try to, uh, to sometimes we'll say, well, that person's different than me. So I don't fully see their life as important. And nowadays in the modern world, it's especially the young, very young people, very old people, weak people. Could be people who are different than us, different race, different sex, different 
beliefs, different religion. But God calls us to love them, to protect their life, not to harm them, not to wish harm upon them, to do anything to harm them, no matter who it is. You know, we think of abortion, and it's just, it's become so normal, hasn't it? It's become something that we push to the corners of our mind and don't think about. And it's become so politicized, too. But at its core, it's a moral issue. And I fear that we've lost the righteous hatred and righteous anger that we should have, the zeal that we should have to protect life, all of life. And I, I sense it in myself, and I hear it on the news, I don't give it much thought. It's shame on me. So let us do everything we can to protect life. And, you know, these things are complicated issues. So how, how can we do that? We need to take care of people who are in need. You know, you think about uh, people who are starving to death. We have a responsibility to take care of people like that. People who need medical assistance. We're not to ignore them or to help them and take care of them. Any situation that the Lord puts us into to take care of people, to promote life, to save life, because all life is made in the image of God. That's why it's precious. But not only are we to protect the life of others, we're also to protect our own life. And most obviously that, that means you're not to commit suicide. And I know that we live in a fallen world, and I'm, it's very likely that many of us here have struggled with suicidal thoughts. Maybe you are struggling with such thoughts even now. And I'd encourage you to talk to someone. You know, the elders are always willing to talk to you, but sometimes we're a little scary. Talk to someone about it. We would love to pray for you and help you, get you the help that you need anyway. But don't ignore it. You need to fight against such thoughts. And we'll talk about the thoughts uh, in more in a moment. But another way that we are to protect our life is we're to watch over our health and safety. We're to be careful, you know, we're to live lives of moderation in what we eat and what we drink. So gluttony is breaking the sixth commandment. It's disregarding the preciousness of, of your own life. Drunkenness is 
breaking the sixth commandment. And recklessness is breaking the sixth commandment. Now, I think it's really sad, again, that these days, um, you know, with the coronavirus, a lot of these issues have become so politicized. But we do have a responsibility to take care and protect the lives of others. And the church is getting, sadly, a, a bad reputation these days, and I, I fear it. there is some reason that unbelievers, they, they're not completely wrong about that. So may we be good examples to the world to consider the lives and do everything we can to protect life. In this commandment, uh, you notice there at the end of the catechism question, it talks about the role of the government. It says the government bears the sword to prevent murder. So that's, that's another thing that's, that's true. And so we know that murderers are, are sometimes put to death. That is what murder deserves. That's the punishment that it deserves. Sometimes the government, well, often the government shows mercy to murderers and instead gives them a life sentence like, like Steve. And I, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. But the government is in place to defend us, defend life. And another way that happens, and we have some people here in the military, the military is supposed to be protecting life as well. That's the reason it is supposed to exist. Now, that could open a whole Pandora's box of discussion in itself because, and the Bible does hint at this as well, sometimes the government goes and kings will try to take over lands instead of protecting. And as Christians, we're to do our best to, to stand against that as well, because that's a destruction of life, and that goes against this commandment as well. But at base, the Lord gave us the government to protect life. And as well, we have a responsibility to defend life. Now, I think... I hope it never happens, but if my family is being, is being attacked by a robber and their life is at danger, I believe it's my responsibility to defend them and to use violence if necessary. I never want to do that. I hope I never have to do that. But we're called to defend life. And at the same time, we're never to take vengeance on our, uh, for ourselves. Now, these days in the U.S., it's, you watch the news, there's been a lot of vigilante violence with uh, protests becoming violent and people being killed. We are never to take justice into our own hands like that. Romans 12 says, Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. 
So the sixth commandment is comprehensive, protecting all life. But it's also caring. So let's look again at Matthew 5 that we read a little earlier. In verse 21, it says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So Lord Jesus, he shows us that it is more than just the act of murder, right? But it comes down to even your, your thoughts. Now let's look again at our catechism question, because I think it explains this well. Question 106 and 107 says, But does this commandment speak only of killing? Answer, by forbidding murder, God teaches us that, God, that he hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, and desire of revenge, and that he regards all these as murder. Question 107, is it enough then that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No. When God condemns envy, hatred, and anger, he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy, and friendliness toward him, and protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. So this sixth commandment is kind of like an iceberg because on the surface level we just see a little bit, thou shalt not commit murder. But when we start to think about it, especially as Jesus explains it to us here, there's this huge meaning and application to it. First of all, this commandment, it forbids hateful thoughts unrighteous anger towards another person. And this is a desire to harm them, desire to do them evil. So part of our sanctification is keeping a close watch, not only on our actions, but on our thoughts, because it is our thoughts where all these things start. It's our heart. It's the root of sin. So I ask you, are you paying attention to what you're thinking about and how you think about others? When you get an evil thought in your mind about someone else, what should you do? You need to stop right there. Repent of that thought. Don't let it go by. Pray to the Lord. Ask Him to change your heart. Ask Him to take away that thought and to change that thought into love for that person. We know that we can't do it on our own because we're sinners. We need the work of the Holy Spirit to change our thoughts. To give us love 
towards those who are unlovable. So keep a close watch over your thought life. But not only that, but our words. Ever thought about everything, in a sense, everything you do, but especially everything you say, it's either a word of life or a word of death. It either builds the other person up or it tears them down. It's either protecting life or dishonoring life. Honoring God's image in the other person or dishonoring it. So keep a close watch also over your words. When you speak ill of another person, what are you doing? You're killing their reputation. So we, and I'm, I'm sure we'll hear more about this in the sermons to come, but they're not to gossip. And oftentimes this is it's a very fine line, right? Because we talk, you need to be very careful how you talk about other people. It's easy to kind of lie to ourselves and say, well, oh, I wasn't really gossiping about that person. But what was your intent and what was the effect of your words about that person? Ask yourself. So never say anything to harm another person made in God's image. But instead, we're to speak words of life regarding one another. So not only are we not to hate, but this commandment requires love. To love one another. That's at the root of it. You're to love even your enemy. And this is where Christian ethics are different, radically different than the world's. Because if you speak to unbelievers and say you need to love your enemy, they, they, won't they probably aren't going to understand that. You can say love your neighbor, love your friends. Okay, but love your enemy, someone who has sinned against you? Yes. Why? Because that's what the Lord has done for us what Christ did for us. We were his enemies. He loved us. Did not return evil with evil, but return evil with good. So that means if there is a person who you are not reconciled to, you're to do everything you can on your side of things to reconcile with them, to restore the relationship. We know that sometimes Again, in this fallen world, that's not always possible because it takes two sides. But you do everything you can on your side to restore the relationship. You need to be willing to forgive a person and willing to talk to them. Try. And that's part of love. Love for your, for your enemy. Matthew 5 again says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So that's when, when you 
Get an evil thought about someone. Try instead to pray for them. You need to fill your mind with something else. You can't simply subtract hatred from your thoughts, but it needs to be filled. The void needs to be filled with something else. So pray for your enemy, the Lord Jesus says. And this brings us to our third point. The sixth commandment, it is comprehensive, it's caring, and it's Christ-centered. Hebrews chapter 2 says this, Therefore the children share in flesh and blood. He himself, that's Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So Jesus came to destroy death and to destroy the devil. And who is the devil? The devil is that original murderer, Jesus says. He is the murderer from the beginning. And Christ came to stop him and to destroy the power of death. Now, almost every superhero movie you see has the same plot, doesn't it? At the end of the movie, and the climax, the arch-villain is going to kill the whole world somehow, destroy the world, and everyone's going to die. But the superhero, at the end of the movie, saves everyone. And I think in this story that we repeat so often, we see that is the kind of Savior that we truly know is needed and that we long for. So Jesus, how does he fulfill the sixth commandment? First of all, in his incarnation. It's amazing, again, out of all the creatures in this world, the Lord chose to become a man. Human, a true human body and true human soul. And that's that's amazing. That shows the preciousness of human life. Elevates humanity. And that, in that way, the Lord fulfills the sixth commandment. Shows just how seriously he takes protecting and saving human life. Just how important it is. Both our body and soul. To realize that, that the Lord Jesus has a true human soul. And what did Jesus do in his ministry? Healings. So Christ showed his great love for humanity for, and his desire to protect human life by healing so many. He, he healed those who were paralyzed, their legs didn't work. He said, stand up, take your mat, and walk. He healed those who were blind from birth, couldn't see anything. You know, spit on the ground. It's kind of a funny story, right? Put the mud up in the eye. Yeah. And he made it so they could see. You see, he cares about human life. And, of course, he, he even raised people from the dead, like his friend Lazarus. He cares about Life. He showed us with his ministry. But the way he kept, he fulfilled the sixth commandment the most is in, his, in the cross 
and in the resurrection. Because it is there that he destroyed and defeated death and defeated the murderer of humanity, Satan. And in his resurrection, as we put our faith in him, we're united to him in his resurrection, and he's given us a body. We will, we will have a body that is no longer subject to death, that is incorruptible. That's the body that Jesus has now, and that's the body that we look forward to and the future resurrection. And so we will experience not only life like this, but eternal life he's given us through his death and resurrection. So Jesus showed how much, how seriously he took human life, how precious it was for him that he gave his very life to save us, save our life. So Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So church, as we've seen, the sixth commandment is so much more than we see on the surface. It is comprehensive. It is caring, and it is Christ-centered. So with all this in mind, let's examine our hearts. So, is there any disregard or neglect of life in you that you need to repent of? Is there anything? Is there any hatred or unrighteous anger, envy in your heart against another person that you need to repent of? Most importantly, are you trusting in Christ, in his keeping of the sixth commandment, in his cross, in his resurrection, by which he saved us from death and fulfilled this commandment. So in closing, hear, hear this admonition from Deuteronomy chapter 30. The Lord said, I have set before you life and death, Blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we meditate upon this sixth commandment, we are first of all reminded of how short we fall in our keeping of it and how desperately we need your grace. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would remind us continually how we need the work of Christ, that we needed Him to come to save our lives, that He took compassion upon us,
took a true human body and soul and gave it for our life to save us from death. Oh Lord, how often we take that lightly. Lord, we pray that we would respond to this great salvation, that we would cherish life, that everything we do, Lord, would be to promote life. Lord, that we would be a people who are known for protecting life in every way we can. Use us, Lord, to glorify yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.